0: Welcome to the Insights to Impact podcast series, a series of discussions detailing the insights that 2020 taught optometry and how those insights translate to actions that are having a positive impact on the profession. Insights to Impact is presented by Review of Optometric Business and sponsored by CareCredit. I'm Dr. Mark Wright, professional editor of Review of Optometric Business, and I'm here with Patty Caspool. Who serves as the chief quality officer in an ODMD practice, and she's going to talk to us about ways to boost eyewear capture rate. I noticed in your article, you talked about educating doctors and opticians. Could you expand on that a little bit for us?
1: Sure, Mark. As I'm sure you, you know, and your listeners know that most opticians have a you know, a breadth of knowledge about specific lens styles and and types. And what we find, at least in our practice, is the doctors are introduced to that, but they don't have the same level of comfort. And what we found in our own office is the conversion rate, um, capture rate between our optometrists and our, our MDs was different. For instance, when we look at last year, for instance, our capture rate for the MDs was anywhere between 62 to 65 percent. And when we broke out just optometric um, reports by themselves, we saw that, you know, the ODs were seeing capture rate around 75 percent. So we decided to bring in some expert help, and we worked with our lab um, and an outside independent uh, consultant to come in and really talk to the doctors about, you know, where was the gap? And what we found is that, they really didn't understand the benefits of a lot of the lens styles that we we offer, and they were super excited to find out that we had lenses that would help patients like macular degeneration, um, bringing in more light and clarity that would increase those patients, you know, ultimate vision, you know, their best possible vision. And we found that the increase in conversion rate happened almost immediately as soon as they were more comfortable.
0: Notice in your article, you also talked about showing opticians what makes the difference to sales. But let's talk about that for a minute.
1: Yeah, you know, a lot of the opticians don't realize that, you know, there are different levels of expertise amongst their team. And so what we found is when we sat down and started being more transparent about, you know, different styles that uh, each optician uses and skill set, that it kind of raised the whole bar for everybody. And, you know, a lot of the opticians, I wouldn't say that they're super competitive, but what we found is as a team they they really became more playful um with their competitive spirit and really wanted to try and increase their sales based on um you know the group and so what we found is as we worked with each optician most of them have a favorite you know in their skill set um and then we identified like what were the gaps where in their knowledge or their comfort level for instance some of them felt like just had a um I wouldn't say it's a belief system, but you know, maybe a prejudice against sales, you know, the word sales. And so when we broke that down to find out more, what we found is maybe they had come from a different background. Maybe they're, you know, they'd worked as an optician somewhere else where they had quotas and they just didn't have a great experience around it. So helping them understand that, you know, our ultimate goal is to help patients see their very best. Uh, and there, you know, there is an expectation about how they perform. But we want them to perform in a way that they really believe in the products that we're selling um, and feel good about what they're doing. And what we noticed overall is when we broke it down and had them start sharing with each other, uh, the entire team improved their, uh, their conversion rates and, and just their comfort and confidence with the patients. Well, I
0: know we've all heard patients say to us, I only want what my insurance covers. You talk about moving beyond that. Uh, talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, in my observations of, you know, shadowing this department and talking to the opticians about what the, you know, their barriers were, their their biggest sticking points, that was one of the number one things that came out um, consistently from every optician, is they felt very stuck when they first sit down with a patient and hear, you know, I just want to, just show me what my insurance pays for. And so we wanted to give them tools to get beyond that. And part of the solution was to really train the opticians to fall back on something that we also use in the office called a lifestyle questionnaire form, which the patient has already filled out by the time they get to the optical department. And with that form, the optician can refer to it to see, you know, what kind of lifestyle um, either hobbies or how they're using their eye, like if you know if they work eight hours at a computer. And then to incorporate whatever is on that form into their conversation. So one, acknowledge that the patient is asking for what their insurance pays for. So to not brush that aside, but then to also incorporate some recommendations from that lifestyle form and what the doctor has recommended and to show the patient that there are other avenues that, that we can offer that would allow them to not only use what their insurance pays for, But then to go beyond that, so for instance, in our office, we work with CareCredit, the CareCredit credit credit card. And what's really um, nice is CareCredit just came out with a pre-qualification function that allows a patient to see if they would pre-qualify for the credit card and for how much, what their credit limit would be without harming their credit limit or their, their credit score rather. And this gives the optician another tool to say, look, you can you know, there's, it's fine to get what your insurance pays for, but we are also able to help you with, you know, a pair of computer glasses or, you know, that really great pair of Maui gyms or, you know, some type of prescription sunglass for driving, for instance. And, you know, it can be really affordable. So part of the optician's toolbox, if you will, is they each have an iPad that has that icon on there, including a calculator. So they know immediately if the patient's insurance only pays, say, you know, $300 out of pocket, but what the patient really wants is two or three pairs of glasses, and that's going to cost, you know, $800, $1,200. By using the calculator, they can easily and quickly tell the patient, this is what your out of pocket would be. So it makes it really easy for the patient. It's a win-win, right? The patient can get all of the pairs of glasses they need that's going to fit and address all of their lifestyle needs, make it affordable and gets beyond the hesitancy around saying, I just wanna pay for what my insurance, you know, I just wanna look at what my, pay, my insurance pays for.
0: Really like your idea of educating the whole practice on optical products. Talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, I think the first thing is to get our, you know, our staff and our doctors to use our optical products. Um, that's the first and foremost, because I think if they're a believer, if they, if they are wearing it themselves, they're gonna be able to speak to it with passion. You know, myself, uh, years ago, I I went actually up to our lab and understood the quality of what we offer and some of the bells and whistles that, you know, what we offer compared to others. And we never, ever badmouth other, you know, labs or, or other offices, but we really educate our staff and our doctors about what does make the difference between, you know, what we're offering and what a patient might see elsewhere. So I think that's the first thing is, you know, get them wearing your product and make that easy. The second thing is having talking points. So, you know, we developed a brochure that has the top five things about our practice, you know, our optical department um, and the products that we offer of why a patient would want to um, stay with us and use our products. And then I think the third thing is continuing to bring in experts because, there's just something about having someone from outside your practice meeting with your staff and your providers to answer questions that we might not even think of and it may seem like a, a safer person uh, to ask you know sometimes staff I think feel incompetent or they think maybe they've been taught this information before but they didn't retain it and so the the lab rep or you know an expert a consultant like in our case we brought in they're just able to talk to your staff and your providers in a way that someone internally just can't.
0: Notice that you spend a lot of time trying to get to know your patients. Um, tell us why that's important.
1: You know, Mark, I think there's there's the hard skill and the soft skill, right? We can teach the hard skills, you know, the, the specifics about lens type and, and what it does for your patient. And then there's something more difficult. And on a side note i noticed um i was looking at an article you wrote back in 2015 and one of the things you talked about was hiring for personality right and i completely agree with that i think that teaching people um, the soft skills of emotional intelligence and how to get to know the patient and ask those kinds of questions that are not necessarily um specific to for, well, let me back up and say, for example, if I had a patient that I observed just a few weeks ago, who if you would have just gone off of what she was saying, like just her actual words, I think the recommendation would have been different than what she actually walked out of the office with. And what I mean by that is watching her body language, when she looked at frames, she was very hesitant because they were different than what she was used to wearing. And in talking to the patient, what we found out is that she really was looking for a change, that she'd worn the same frame style for years. And when the optician originally talked to her, she said, are you happy with your current frame? And the patient said yes. But her body language said something different, right? There was something hesitant. So in talking to her, we found out that she normally brings her daughters with her to pick out a frame. And because of COVID, we weren't allowing uh, visitors at the time, so she was by herself. And she was feeling a little, you know, a little nervous about picking out a frame and without her daughters there. But she was also, I think, a little freer because she was, you know, she was saying what she really wanted. And what she really wanted was something a little bit more what I would call edgy than what she's normally used to wearing. And so it's a little bit longer of a story, but I can tell you that just really reading her and asking deeper questions um, about what was in the way, you know, what she liked or didn't like, and had she ever thought about a totally different lens style or frame style rather, that's when she opened up. And I can tell you, I saw that patient three weeks later when she came back into the office and picked up her glasses and she was absolutely thrilled beyond belief um, because she got a little bit more, I think, TLC uh, and, you know, digging just a little bit deeper than what she probably would normally have done.
0: It sounds like her her helpers were used to seeing her a certain way and wanted to keep her that certain way, and yet she had an internal desire to uh, to maybe have a different look, a new look, a more brightened look. That was a a great thing.
1: I think so. I think so. And she she definitely, you know, I think she would have been happy with a frame that was similar to what she was used to, but it's not what her heart really wanted right and so i i just think there's ways in talking to patients and and digging just a little bit deeper to find out for instance when you were talking earlier mark about you know what their insurance pays you know i think there's a lot of patients who what their heart really desires is to have you know a pair of of glasses maybe for the weekend or you know something fun but yet they don't think they can afford that so that's where i think having those um You know, longer conversations, deeper conversations, more pointed conversations to find out if they could, you know, wave their magic wand and money wasn't the issue, what do they really want? And then when we can find out what they really want, we may not be able to satisfy that desire 100% of the time, you know, with everything, but we we at least now have a better understanding of what we might be able to do, you know, to make that affordable um, and get them something that's going to work best for them.
0: Right off of that, I, I think it's important in your article, you talk about lessening challenges to payment. Explain that a little more.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, right now, especially in these uncertain times, patients see payment as an obstacle or or the cost of lenses as an obstacle or frames. And I can tell you in our office, you know, I we are definitely not, I would say, the most expensive uh, in our area or region. We're certainly not the least expensive. And I think that the the biggest barrier for patients is cost, and so to just go right at that and and let patients see that, you know, we can make it affordable for them. Whether that's putting, um, you know, a second pair or third pair on layaway and have them, you know, make payments towards that. Uh, finding out, you know, I think it's also helping patients understand what they value, because it's interesting to me that. If patients think about wearing these glasses for, you know, one or two years and breaking it down to, well, what does that look like, the you know, over, say, a, a monthly fee? If you took a $500 pair of glasses and divided that over 12 or 24 months, I think that helps the patient reframe the value of this and, and helping them understand how they're using their eyes and the importance of their glasses, you know, it's interesting to me that a lot of people that I've talked to, um, even recently, I've talked to someone going to a discount, a very, very much discounted online um, product, and then when they brought it into the office, they were really disappointed, and yet we could have helped them get into something that would have been better suited for them, and the cost difference, the gap between you know, our product and what they ended up purchasing wasn't very much money at all. And so I think that we somehow missed, we missed there in that situation. You know, and ultimately, we were able to help the patient. Um, but I think somewhere along the line, right in the very beginning, we didn't discover that the cost was such an issue for the patient and that they had planned on shopping elsewhere. And I think we could have saved them a lot of time and effort and have them feel better uh, about what they were buying. There's something I think the sticker shock value. You know, I've talked to some people that um, patients after the fact that even though they were happy with their glasses, they still weren't happy with what they paid for. That makes sense. And then, you know, it's like they don't really understand the quality. And so what I do notice is when we do a great job of helping patients understand the value of what they are buying, then price isn't such a big deal. Like they're actually, I think, I don't know if the word proud is uh, the right word to use, but you know, they feel good about what they just purchased.
0: We walk in the practice every day and we we live in the practice and we're used to seeing the practice look a certain way. I, I think your point you made in your article, but that we need to see the practice as it looks to an outsider. We need to think about mystery shopping the practice. Talk to us a little bit about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, Mark, you know, I um, this is near and dear to my heart. I've been with the practice for 31 years, and one of the very, very first lessons I learned as a young, a, a young staff member is that to trust but verify. Right? That you know, it took someone else, an expert outside, a consultant uh, that walked into the practice and immediately started pointing out things that I hadn't seen. You know, it's kind of like when you have a company come over to your house and suddenly you're looking and seeing the cobweb up in the corner that you didn't notice. It's probably been there for weeks, right? You know, it was kind of it was kind of the same thing. So I have learned over the years to truly value mystery shoppers, because I think that they look at the practice with fresh eyes. And so I um I really truly believe in it, and I use mystery shoppers either hiring um, outside help to come in and and mystery shop the practice. I ask our reps from all of our different industries. Uh, for instance, I I've used our care credit reps many many times to come into the practice and either go through as a patient or just sit in the waiting room, you know, nearby and listen and then give me a full report, you know, of what they of what they see with the emphasis on, you know, we want to hear it all. I think that's important to say on the front end. Like don't hold back. We want to we want your opinion on everything you've seen and heard as well as if you have a recommendation of how we could be doing things better, please let us know. And so that's been invaluable. I don't think that you can pay for that kind of quality you know it the other thing i think about with our reps and why i think they're so valuable is most of of the industry reps have anywhere between these days seven to eleven different states in their territory so you can imagine how many practices they're in all the time and you know if i think about how much it would cost for me to go into those same practices you know to observe for best practices. I can't even imagine how much that would cost. So I think these reps are out there. They're seeing the best of the best and they're seeing the worst and they, they have a lot of information to share. And so to be, sit down with somebody after having them observe our office and then share you know, their observations of us and compare that to best practices and, and offer us recommendations, that's just invaluable to me.
0: For our audience, thank you for listening. This podcast and future podcasts in the Insights to Impact series will be available on demand on Review of Optometric Businesses podcast channel at ReviewOB.com. We would like to thank our sponsor for this series, CareCredit.